Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmeyer, the News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU. And today is our fall gardening show. Seems like uh, Don and Helen were just here to me. I know, but I guess it's been more than six months. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we have, uh, for those of you who listen to our gardening shows, we have our, our favorite uh, gardening experts with us today. Helen May, retired co-owner of May's Greenhouse, and Don Adamson, the retired manager of Bloomington Valley Nursery. If you want to give us a call, and uh, we guarantee you we'll get a lot of calls in the second half of the program, so you might want to get in here early, 812-855-0811 or toll-free toll at one 285 9348 you can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So, Sarah, do you have a question to start? Because I've got some already that have been sent I think in, we should so. start first with the drought because uh, just okay. we got the word yesterday that the, a lot of the state is in a drought. So I'm glad they told us. <laughs> <laughs> well, how bad is it here? Is it bad? Bad, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're like five inches under normal rainfall for, for the last few months. But, uh, yes, it's very bad. But... A lot of people don't realize this is going to affect us throughout the winter because often we do not get that much snow in the winter and a lot of plants need to be watered in the winter. So especially with the drought like we're having, why this is a factor that a lot of people forget. Well, how can you, are there extra things you can do now to help hydrate so it's not so bad? Water, water, water. Just water, water. <laughs> But now, it's important. People need to get used to doing deep watering rather than just daily little bits of watering. And What's the difference? Well, put a lot of water on when you put it on so that it, it will last longer and you don't have to do it nearly as often. But soak the ground when it's water, when you water it. Yes, if you just water very lightly, half of it evaporates and... You know, a deep watering is much better for the plants because it gets down where the real roots are. And uh, you do well to uh, anything that's been planted this year, you need to be especially careful of because you'll lose it in the winter if you don't keep it watered now while it's so dry. So in the winter, when I mean, when it's really cold, should we be out there watering? Yes. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people don't realize, but uh, you see on a, a paper about plants being sensitive, winter sensitive, and in most cases that's because they dehydrate in the winter rather than the cold weather. So uh, you keep them from dehydrating by watering even. If the ground is frozen, you can. Uh, it will be thawing out from time to time that you can put water on plants, uh, especially any winter-sensitive plants. Yeah, especially broadleafed evergreens. Right. Uh, late in the fall, even though it's cold and feels kind of unpleasant outside, if it's thawed, you can give them a good drink every now and then because it'll help carry them through the winter time. Uh, and that also applies to uh, anything that's newly right. newly planted that has, doesn't have a big root system established. Because right now is a great time to plant plants, but it is important to keep them watered. Now, they don't need everyday watering, but like once a week. But uh, this time of year is a great time to plant trees. And even though we're dry, if you can water them once a week, you know, you can keep them going. And like Helen said, uh, any new planted plants, you want to be careful about the watering and keep it going throughout the winter, really. 
Is it a good time to transplant then, too, stuff with it in your yard? Some things. Trees and such, yes, they're going dormant now. And uh, since they're going dormant, why, uh, they can be transplanted any time October, November. And uh, in fact, like I say, that it's, there's less stress on a tree if it's transplanted now than in, in the spring. Yeah, you just have to keep watering it. Right. All right, we have our first phone call of the day. We're going to go right to Stan on the phone. Stan? Hey, Stan, go ahead. Uh, I'd like to know if I can uh, uh, trim my foundation plants now, Ilex and others. They sort of got away from me, or do I have to wait till early spring? No, they can, they can be trimmed now. Uh, it, it won't hurt them. Just keep in mind that they're not going to grow any until spring. So depending on how you want them to look, uh, you can. But it's better to go ahead and give them a good trimming at this time of year. Okay. Thank you. You're, you're welcome, Stan. Thanks for calling. Now, you've talked about trimming before and with lilacs and other plants that you trim. Give us a, a sort of a rule of thumb. Helen? Well, the... Uh, Anything that blooms quite early, like lilacs and forsythia, that sort of thing, you don't want to prune now. You want to prune right after it finishes blooming. Because if you prune now, you will cut off all the flower buds that were formed this summer on the new growth. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, really woody things like trees are better pruned later when they're more dormant. There's less ab uh, to be uh, problems with infections of stuff in the cuts and so forth if the tree is becoming dormant or is dormant. Mm -hmm. um, anything that blooms late in the summer, like uh, Rose of Sharon, can be pruned in the spring and should be pruned fairly heavily because it tends to get quite tall and lanky if it, if it isn't pruned every few years. Okay. One thing, the, uh, uh, the roses are really popular now and uh, but most people or a lot of people don't want to trim them because they're afraid they, they'll get too short and such but myself I like them to get three to four foot tall and in order to keep them at that height next summer why you may want to cut them down to the ground in the winter and if you want them a little taller why uh, cut them maybe halfway instead of all the way but uh, the the knockout roses are so popular now and you see them every place mm -hmm. but to keep them looking their best you do need to cut them back before spring all right we have a, a couple of phone or a couple of questions that have come in to us uh, one is from sarah from facebook and sarah says not this sarah another sarah says <laughs> What are some good fall flowers, herbs, or vegetables I can grow in pots with half shade? Helen? Well, <laughs> uh, of course, anything that is good in shade through the summer or half shade in the way of annuals, if you keep them well fed and deadheaded, will continue to bloom right up till cold weather. Uh, if you want to, uh, hostas are good in half shade though they begin to look a little tacky this late in the year, especially when it's as dry as it is. But are you um, thinking of taking them inside, you say, in pots? I think that's, that's what it is, yeah. Uh -huh. Ah, well, in pots, and you should go to uh, uh, consider some houseplant-type things, uh, potted ferns, potted philodendrons, uh, uh, um, and there's a huge selection of that kind of stuff that you can uh, grow in half shade outside in the summer and then shift indoors. Um, there's not too much that is a heavy, a heavy bloomers. Now, begonias work nicely, and uh, African violets can be wonderful indoors if you give them what they need. Um, they, they need a lot of sun, don't they? Well, not a lot, but they need, need fairly strong light. They will sunburn with too much sun, but they need regular fertilizing. All your houseplants in the, indoors will need regular fertilizing, except for things like cactus. 
generally most of those go a little bit more dormant in the winter and you run them a little bit drier than you would uh, outside. Uh, the only ones that bloom well for you would be things like uh, a Christmas cactus and those you keep fairly dry until they begin to form fuds, fuds, buds, <laughs> <Excuse me. laughs> begin to form buds and also <clears throat> keep them out, keep them someplace pretty cool down into the 40s as long as you can without them getting frostbitten because that will also initiate bud forming. And then when you move them inside, you water them a little bit more, put them in a place with pretty good light, and they should bloom heavily for you. Now, Sarah also asks about <clears throat> herbs or vegetables that could be potted. And I don't know of any vegetables that are would truly be worthwhile. But herbs, you can grow uh, mint, basil, um, probably rosemary. Now, rosemary will sort of go dormant in the winter but you can still harvest bits of it and use it and keep it alive for next year because it is not uh, winter hardy here mm -hmm. but uh, um, most of the herbs require quite a lot of sunlight so you would need a pretty good window for those inside mm -hmm. one of our reporters in the newsroom was asking about what to what she could do with her summer garden if it's not all dead and um, <laughs> even if she could keep her tomato plants inside to keep them going I have known back years ago people would pull tomato plants that had green fruit on them and hang them in their basements from like from a clothesline or something. But that was back in the days when the basement was kind of cool and you had a lot of room and <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that would happen now. But you can pick tomatoes that are still green mm -hmm. and either cook them green, or, uh, fried tomatoes or green Great, ones yeah. are wonderful. Mm -hmm. Or some of them will continue to ripen in the house. Uh, the uh, things like spinach, onions. Now, I, you probably don't have any green onions at this time of year. Uh, the uh, spinach, though, if you cover it in really cold nights with something and uncover it in the day, it will continue on through several frosts. Same with turnips. Uh, and it's been a while since I really got, <laughs> really did any late fall vegetable gardening. But um, any kind of root crops, you can winter uh, up until the ground freezes. In fact, you can mulch heavily with straw or something and dig them in the dead of winter if, if you can keep the ground from freezing. Okay. If you have questions about gardening, questions or comments, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. Uh, Helen May and Don Adamson are here, and we always have a great conversation with them about various uh, – any, any question you have about gardening, they're going to be able to, to give us an answer for. Uh, George has sent us in a question, and he says – uh, does or asked does loosening the soil in a bare patch of English ivy encourage growth into the area? Not a, I wouldn't do that at this time of year because you will get winter damage. Now ivy is another plant that we talked about earlier that you want to be careful with the watering because going into the winter as dry as we are, you need to soak that ivy several times before it gets cold because it is susceptible to the dehydration that I talked about earlier. And uh, but do not loosen the soil on ivy at this time of year. Okay. When you were talking about <coughs> indoor plants earlier, Helen, I have I love those little um, clovers. I have a purple one, <laughs> but I've moved it inside, and all it does is get really spindly, even though it's in front of like three big windows. Is that just not a good one to try to keep in the well, house? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> I know the white one can be kept, white, the green-leaved one with white flowers can be kept inside reasonably well. Uh, but they may want to just uh, flop because it's too warm in there. Um, or um, it may be maybe keeping them a little too wet and they're, they're uh, a little too soft, you know. But they do take pretty strong light. So, okay. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so is this a good time of year to mulch? Should we be mulching before the winter? Is that a good thing to do? Well, again, it helps to hold the moisture uh, around plants. So, uh, yes, it it would help to uh, mm-hmm. to mulch it. Most people think of that in the spring. Right, but, right. Uh, Because that's mostly decorative, it seems like. I mean, it looks good. Anymore, right? that's what it's used for. But uh-huh. uh, mulching, again, will help hold the moisture on the roots uh, to keep that dehydration. Now, I know you've, you've said before, but I think it's always worth repeating. I see I see people who mulch, you know, up like <laughs> six inches under their tree and stuff. And what what... How should people be doing this around their trees? Well, as we've talked before, it's important to not pile the mulch up against the trunk because this can cause rotting on the the bark and everything. So uh, uh, it's best to keep the the mulch away from the bark. At least do not pile it up uh, because that can cause rot to get in the the bark Mm -hmm. of the tree and cause real damage. And that's, that's also a problem with perennials. You can smother perennials if you pile mulch right on the crown of the plant. What you need to do is donut it, uh, stay back an inch or so from or two from the actual green growing stems, but cover the root area. And that will, as Don said, help to maintain moisture. And if it's a mulch that breaks down rapidly, it will add to the fertility of the soil eventually. Um, And it's uh, a good way to not find a carpet of weeds in the spring if you put some mulch down late in the fall because uh, seed tends not to germinate very well if it's in the dark under a pile of mulch. A question we got earlier, I know, was about pesticides and somebody who was looking for alternatives to killing weeds other than using pesticides. Well, the mulch, as Helen said, is is great to help uh, eliminate the weeds because the seeds will not germinate if they're kept in the dark. So uh, that's why we use the mulch a lot of times. What about through, like, rock? And you have all those weeds that come up through that. Well, well there's a lot of light <laughs> that goes through the rock. Okay. And, and then it's hard to pull the weeds. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you could use, but I don't think it would work on a large scale at all. Some people, you get a tea kettle of boiling water and pour it on the cracks in their walks and so forth to kill weeds like that. And I believe there's some way to use some kind of vinegar, but I don't know about that to kill some weeds. Um, frankly, I use Roundup. <laughs> it doesn't cause a problem usually. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to uh, think. I think we're going to take a short break right now. We're we're a little early in the program, but I I am confident we're going to start getting a lot of questions. We have looks like uh, our producers hard at work in there fielding questions right now so we're going to take a short break you're listening to noon edition we'll be right back this is noon edition on wfiu production support comes from smithville fiber online at smithville.com and iu school of public health bloomington online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org.
Welcome back to Noon Edition. It's our annual fall gardening show with local gardening experts Helen May and Don Adamson. They are here and they are eager to answer all of your questions as we head into cooler weather. Uh, you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also live chat uh, join the live chat by tweeting at Noon Edition, and uh, you can also send us questions, news at indianapublicmedia.org. And Sarah Whitmire and I, are, I'm Bob Salzberg, we're here, and uh, we were talking about snakes during the break. Oh, my gosh. I hate them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is because, like you all were saying, there are some that are perfectly harmless, but it feels like we have, at least in my opinion, seen more of them this year. Is that – I don't know. Have you all noticed anything? Well, I haven't noticed it. Yeah. But... What can you do – I mean – it, it, are they are they bad? Should it be trying to get? I personally want to get rid of them because I find them to be frightening. But well, every, too often people want to get rid of them. Now, my, my daughter, she had a black snake that she just left in her garden, and she never had any mice problem or anything, and it got killed. Then she had all kinds of mice and and critters like that. So the snakes are very helpful if you can identify the good ones. And um, but a, a cat would rid your place. Uh, we have a cat that just does a great job eliminating snakes and mice and all kinds of critters like that. I've seen them go down holes like in my flower, all in our mulch and stuff. And there's even I've uncovered nests of little mm -hmm. baby snakes in there. You have to live, oh. learn to live with them, Sarah. Did you have any ring-neck snakes? I don't know what that is. Dark brown, very small, dark brown snakes with a yellow ring around their neck. No. no. Look like fishing worms sometimes. Those are, are rare and wonderful snakes, and you should not – they'll never bite you. They can't bite you, and they're just – if you've got them – be kind You're to lucky. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I know, but yeah. the only really poisonous snakes in this area are rattlesnakes, mostly over towards Brown County, mm -hmm. and copperheads. Copperhead, yes. And you should learn to identify those two snakes. And if you do, then you can tell quickly whether you've got a problem or not. Uh, I'd just buy me a, a, a small field guide to snakes with good pictures and and try to try to figure it out. And uh, many of the snakes, like the frogs, are kind of hard pressed to exist anymore. They're they're becoming depleted because everybody kills them or lawnmowers run over them. Um, we used to have a lot of snakes and box turtles where I live. And since we've been hiring our lawn mode, and those guys go fast with those big mowers, they've just disappeared. And I, I'm sure the mowers are somewhat mm -hmm. to blame for that. Yeah. So, so, so really just those two are the ones that I would need to Only two. About. Okay, well that, that's easy enough. So yeah. everything else is good and just leave and it alone. A yeah. big okay. black snake about six oh or seven gosh. feet long is a wonderful thing. Right. There you go. <laughs> I lived down on 446 uh, several years ago, and we had copperheads around. And we, we had a big yucca plant, and a copperhead just moved in. That was his place. That was his place, yeah. So I stayed away from the yucca plant. So that's where I live, so I probably life. inherited your snakes. You probably <laughs> did. All right, we have a phone call from Susan from Brown County. Susan? Hi there. Hi. I had a question about watering. You were talking about that earlier. Um, we talked about deep watering, but to me, I don't quite understand. If you could maybe say how long to water that would, that would make the water go deep enough, maybe I could have a better idea of what you mean by deep watering. Well, it depends a lot on how you apply the water. If you're standing there with a hose, a lot of it will just run away rather than penetrate. If you can uh, can water with a good sprinkler of some kind and let it run, and the way to test and see how much water you actually put down in the place is get you something straight-sided, like a coffee can or something, and set out where the under the sprinkler. And when you get an inch in there, you've put plenty of water on. And then you don't water again for a week or 10 days or whatever. Uh, if you're watering with a hose, what I do is I water it 
reasonably at a reasonable rate and then I go back and water it again two or three times but I keep moving because if you put it on that fast a lot of it just runs away I like that that, that seems like a really good tip to put something out there if you're if you're sprinkling so that you can tell exactly how much is going on also well, you can... what I love about oh I'm sorry go ahead Don go ahead uh, part of what I love about watering is it just is like a morning ritual for me. I try to get out there as early as possible. So I do enjoy walking around with the hose, and I don't mind going back, but like if I were standing in one place, would I need to water for more than three minutes, or would that be about right, and then move on and do that twice? It depends. What you need to do is water until you see water running around on the ground, and then you need to walk away and water the next place and so on, and then you need to come back and do it all over again. But you don't want it to run down the road in the ditch and across the walk. And And a lot of times you need to take a a small trial or something like that and actually dig down and see if it's soaked through. Because as as Helen said, often it runs off and doesn't soak down because it needs, depending the type plant that your watering, it would need to soak down at least six inches to to accomplish what you need. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm deep in the forest, so there are, there's no sidewalks or any, nothing. <laughs> and where I have my plants is pretty flat, too. So there's not a lot of runoff right where I would be watering. So, okay, well, that gives me some ideas. All right. Um, Thank you, Susan. Appreciate the show very much. All right. Learn a lot. Thank you. So, Susan, thank Happy you for. Fall. Thanks. <laughs> Have a good time in Brown County. All right. Oh, eight, yeah. eight, one. Come out and check out our artwork. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. 812 um, 855-0811 here in Bloomington. If you're from outside of the Bloomington area, you can call us toll free at 1 877 285 9348. You can also send questions for the show, news at indianapublicmedia.org. We had another question that came in. Um, Sarah from Bloomington has asked, what can I do to preserve my goldenrods? You mean as dried flowers or as uh, uh, to keep the plants coming back? Well, let's, uh, let's answer both of them. Well, oh, I'm, to keep them coming back. Oh, to keep them coming back. Keep them coming back. Mm-hmm. Well, the main thing is uh, to uh, not uh, let them get crowded by something else although goldenrods tend to do the crowding usually. Um, the um, uh, other thing would be to uh, cultivate a little bit, again, to keep something else from crowding them. And uh, really, goldenrods, if they have enough sunlight and enough moisture, are darn hard to kill usually. Now, if you're in heavy shade, that may be a problem, and, and you, there's nothing to do about that except get some more light on them. Mm-hmm. We have a couple emailed questions. Um, Randy's asking, we have a dogwood tree that had a few dead limbs last year. This year, it's not put on full leaves and has started dropping leaves earlier in the summer. Can I go ahead and write it off, especially considering the recent drought? We've not been watering it. Well, the the lack of water may finish it off, actually. He uh, doesn't indicate whether it's been in the ground for a few years. That's all the information I have. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, dogwood is is particularly, they, there's a, what they call anthracnose, a disease that, that affects dogwood if they're in shade also. Dogwood is a tree that should be in full sun uh, to keep the, the fungus diseases from affecting them. So that's one problem. But uh, they seem to work well if they're in pretty well full sun except the uh, Coosa dogwood, and they, they can tolerate partial shade also but uh, uh, it's hard to say a lot of times you can soak a tree up and uh, soak the roots and everything and then next spring it may may bounce right back 
So maybe give it a second try well, and I would, go dump a bunch of water on it? Right. I would just do like one soaking uh, before it goes into the winter and then see what happens first thing in the spring, see if you get new growth coming back. Okay. So, Don, I have another tree question because – and I've mentioned this tree before. We have a, a Japanese maple in our front yard. It's really a pretty tree, except the top half of it seems to have died. Last year um, – I mentioned this last year, I think, and and the bottom half just looks really good. This year, it looks better than it did last year. We had a guy come out to cut a dead tree, and he said he thought that he might be able to do something that would help encourage that tree to grow back in full. Do you know? What I mean? Well, this this time of year, you do not want to do any feeding because you can get late growth <clears throat> if you feed this time of year. But uh, also, we had a similar situation at my son's and. Uh, there was a bore in there, so uh, the the part that has died needs to be removed from the tree, so that if there is a bore worm in there, that you will get that away from it. But uh, then I would fertilize it really good, like in March, and uh, but any dead should be removed now. Mm-hmm. So that uh, if there is any worms in or... We've done that. We did that. But fertilize it like in March uh, quite heavily and come back a month later and do that again. And that's about all you can do is... And then hope. Is is remove any dead and then try to fertilize to keep it What's left looks great. Okay. They're really pretty. We got another question from Randy asking about boxwood shrubs and saying, we have some boxwood shrubs that need to be trimmed and shaped up. When is the best time of year for us to do that? Would that be fall or would that be spring? It it depends more on the look that you want. You're not going to hurt them no matter when you trim them. But myself, I like looks. I like the boxwood to look natural, so I trim mine early in the spring before they start growing. So it's more the look that you want in your plants. You're not going to hurt them no matter when you trim them. Okay. So if he's saying they need to be shaped up, he's he's good to go to do that now if he wants. Yeah. Uh, it, if you, but just keep in mind, they're not going to grow anymore till spring. And myself, I trim mine first thing in the spring because I like them to put on natural growth. And boxwood is one plant that grows really strong first in the spring, and then it kind of uh, doesn't grow much anymore. Oh, okay. We have Helen May and Don Adamson answering all of your gardening questions today, and our phone lines are surprisingly quiet right now. So if you want to get your question in, this now would be a good time, 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington, and toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. This is like our car talk, but of gardening with you two. It's wonderful. I I just totally – oh, I was wondering, Helen, earlier you were talking about forsythia and how you shouldn't trim them this time of year. I think you said lilac, but forsythia is pretty tolerant, right? So if I accidentally maybe just trimmed mine, it It, might not be the end of it. It won't hurt it. It just won't bloom next spring. Won't bloom. Oh, what's the point of having a forsythia then? Uh, Well, it it has already formed next spring's flower buds. It's on all that long, new, soft growth. And if you cut that all off, then it'll have to make some more before it blooms again. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is just remember, any time right after it's bloomed, just whack it back. Okay. Yeah. But it won't bloom next year, so I won't whack it back then. No, no. Well, if, you, if you whack it back right after... After it flowers. Right after it flowers. You know, if it, if it flowers cut it, in Cut March, it hard then. Cut it right. after, it's, after it fades. Cut it as back as far as you want to, and it will still make new growth through the summer, and that will bloom the following spring. Okay. Yeah. So cut it back in the spring, even though it's not going to bloom because I just butchered it. Oh, well, yeah. That, <laughs> if it still needs butchering some more, uh, do it next spring okay. uh, after the regular uh, surrounding forsythias have bloomed, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. We have Susan back. Susan's back from Brown County. Thank you for calling back. What what can we do for you now? I had had another question. um, I've been noticing that my lilac bushes, a few years ago, they were just, had tons of blooms and looked beautiful. The last couple of summers, 
it seems in spring they haven't seen the bloom much. Is can you explain why that is, and or do I have a variety that doesn't bloom every year? I'd love to have it bloom as much as possible. Well, the first question is, did you right. prune it after, uh, last uh, year any time? No. All right, so that's not the problem. Uh, secondly, does it look healthy? Yes. Is it dense and pretty and nice green and so forth? Uh, mm -hmm. Then you need to check and uh, consider, uh, has the shade over it increased a great deal over the years? That can make them bloom less if they're in heavy shade or too much shade. Uh, it may be that if it made nice growth last spring and had good healthy foliage and so forth, you might want to uh, consider feeding it with something. And there may be a lot of really old wood in there that probably could come out. And again, that can be done if you're just taking old wood out. You can do it in the winter or you can prune any wood right after bloom time. One, one thing we have found in the fertilizing, use a high phosphate fertilizer. This will help with any flowering plant to set buds, but you need to put that on. Uh, I even like to put it on in the winter, and uh, then they will set more buds for the following spring. Is there an organic high phosphate um, fertilizer I could use in... Um, what month specifically would you suggest if I did it in the winter? There's a, what they call a rock, rock phosphate, but it's, it's hard to find anymore. Uh, most of them use a, uh, just a phosphate, a superphosphate type fertilizer. But uh, I would put it on probably as soon as the, it goes dormant in the fall. And then when it comes out in the spring, why you should have more buds. So like in late November? Yes. I don't know when it goes dormant. In the, yeah. Okay, yeah. late November and a super phosphate, is that what you said? Yes. If I can find it. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Thank you. I, I loved that year that it, I had, oh my gosh, tons of blooms, and I've been pretty disappointed and then uh, you know, worried about the plants since then. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, Susan. This could be your year. <laughs> All right. We're, we're going to go to uh, Carol, who is from Bloomington. Carol? Yeah, hi. Um, we've had a particular problem with moles this year, and I've uh, tried some remedies, everything from uh, two parts lye to one part boric acid, and uh, I've also heard that milky spore is a better solution. Can you provide some insight into how to get rid of these old pests? <laughs> we're, we're both waiting. <laughs> <laughs> milky spore is, I didn't even know it was around anymore. It's, it's an old remedy, but it, but it takes a long time to work, so I, I would not recommend that, actually. <clears throat> But uh, the best thing is if you can, can use some traps. I know the ground has been, uh, it was really soft in the summer and the moles were very active at that time. But hopefully the dry weather has helped to uh, You know, to I need slow. to say it, they're, they're really bad. There's some really thick clay soil here that I would think is a deterrent, but it doesn't appear to be, and uh, they just slowed down recently, but I've tried traps, I've tried uh, just about everything. Um, it's, it's, uh, they're, they're pretty frustrating. Um, I know grub control is something other people recommend, but um, uh, just was curious if you had any more insight. Yeah, Helen, how about you? Well, grub control is what the milky spore is for. Okay. Um, it will kill most beetle grubs in your soil, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that the the uh, moles feed on. Um, but they're not there this time of year, right? Mm -hmm. The um, um, there's some bait worms that you can use. Uh, if you can get it in the mole tracks, but you have to read the instructions very carefully so that uh, it's it's kind of tricky to do. 
That's yeah. the one. We had a caller, I think the last time we did this show, who called in and said something about these gummy worms. And if mm-hmm. you put a little bit of peanut butter on them, made sure you didn't touch it. Well, we tried it at my house, and it it seemed to work for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then I think what you all had said before is then you get your neighbor's moles. Yeah. And you have to do it again. <laughs> well, and they're expensive, those worms. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, the moles are an indication that you have good soil. It's got lots of uh, earthworms and beetle grubs and all kinds of things for them to feed on is why they're there. Um, I don't know of any permanent way to get rid of them, except I used to know an old lady who would stand in her garden, and when she saw a a mole run uh, moving, she would hit it with her spade really deep. And that would take care of the mold. But I don't have the patience for that. I don't, I don't know of anything new. Okay. We go through this uh, every year, but I, I don't really know of anything new that, that works. Well, Carol, good luck with that. But you've got good soil. That's good to know. Thank you for that. All right. Or maybe uh, your snakes could go over there. Oh, my God. The moles don't seem to be deterred by the snakes. (laughs) I think it's a cat. That's what you all seem to get back to every year is getting a cat. If you can find a cat that likes to hunt moles, they are very effective. Mm -hmm. And a dog, too, though. He will dig up some big holes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take your poison, yeah. We have uh, let's go to Jean next. Jean? Yes. Hello, Jean. I moved to Bloomington, and the lot that I bought is absolutely overrun with honeysuckle. How can I get totally rid of honeysuckle? It's almost impossible to do at this time of year. Uh, The time that you would want to kill the honeysuckle is when it first leaves out in the spring. Uh, the Roundup spray will kill it at that time. But this time of year, you cannot get rid of it because it needs new growth in order to be killed with the chemical uh, weed killers. Okay, so then the only other thing would be to chop it out by the roots, I would suppose. Yeah, now do not cut it off this time of year either. If you can leave it until spring, so that it puts on lots of new growth and it's it's you can kill it much faster if it has a lot of new growth in the spring but so don't oh thank you i was about to uh chop it all down so thank you for that yeah right helen do you want to add anything no honeysuckle's a real problem i just hired ecologic to do about an acre of mine. <laughs> All right. Well, that's another solution. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Jean. Thank you a lot for your call. Let's see. Um, Angela, can we get to Don uh, from Bloomington? Don? Yes. Yeah. Do you have a mole suggestion? Well, uh, I have, with some success, used a product called Mole Scram, which I buy at Black Lumber. It uh, palletized uh, castor oil stuff, and it takes a little while to work. You have to spread it in the area of your your lawn that you uh, that's relatively free of moles, and then you keep expanding this area and pushing them away. It does seem to work. Uh, it takes some time. Uh, you know you measure that in months, I think. Right. Yeah, well, we years ago when I, I was at the business, we had some of that that worked quite well, but people would get impatient. Yeah, and, and, uh, it does take time. But it, it makes it the, uh, the castor oil uh, solution would work. Uh, yeah, it, if you if you were patient with it, often it would do a good job. It's just uh, distasteful to the moles, I guess, and they they don't like it. It doesn't hurt them, but they move away. And uh, I've used it on a, my front yard fairly successfully, where I took out a tree and had to reseed the lawn. I have one other question. Can I ask? Sure, absolutely. Um, I have a fairly good-sized garden, well-fenced against deer, and the only rototiller I have is a big tractor-mounted one, like four feet wide. And I'm thinking about getting a 
small one that you can run between garden rows, but I see there are two styles. The one with the rotating tines that go in circles vertically, and then there's another kind that I've never used where the, the tines stick down into the ground and rotate horizontally in a circle. Do you I'm, have any advice about that? I'm not familiar with that new type. Uh, I thought they were all the same pretty well. <laughs> I guess I did too. <laughs> so, hey, I'm not sure we're going to be able to help you on that one, Don. Okay. But, well, just I, I sent you an email about it. You can just ignore that. Okay. Hey, we okay. thank you. Thank you for your call. All right, let's go to uh, Lisa next. Lisa from Bloomington. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question about some new lilac bushes that I planted uh, late in the spring. Um, I was mindful of the fact that there wasn't very much rain, and I watered them um, a bunch. Uh, and now the leaves seem to have brown edges and brown spots, and I'm concerned that this fungus may have um, cropped up in them. Uh, and I'm wondering if you might be able to tell me anything about that and whether the plants uh, may not survive. I, I would certainly leave them till spring. Uh, sometimes we get some fungus on them late in the summer, but often if you just let them go through a winter and then soak them in the spring. Uh, but if you keep them wet, you can get a fungus on them. So, uh, but I would not get rid of them because I'd leave them go till spring and uh, you'll probably find that they'll come back. If the, you can check the stems, if the stems are still green, for sure they should come back in the spring. Oh, that's, that's great to know. They look otherwise healthy. There's some new little growth even um, all over them. So I'm hoping they'll come back. Well, slow down the watering right now because you want them to go dormant. Yeah, when do they go dormant? Uh, about this time of year, actually. Okay. I had slowed down the watering, so um, thank you for confirming that I'm doing the right thing. All right. Hey, thank you, Lisa. Thank you. All right. We're going to go next to Jack from Bloomington. Jack? Yes, sir. I have a question about my red delicious apple tree. Uh, in the wintertime, I've seen that they have, like, little bugs that come up out of the bark. <laughs> in the summertime, <laughs> Bugs that come up out of the bark. Um, borers of some kind, probably. Do you think? Uh, I think we lost him. We did well, lose him. Gone. Not sure. Well, see, we maybe don't drop the phone. Maybe he may be. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So, but we do have Susan on the line. Susan's from Bloomington. Oh, hey, Susan. Go ahead. Um, uh, I have uh, several large, like one foot across, one foot deep pots <laughs> that I have put some heirloom hostas in that I've moved several times and I've not been able to get them into the ground. So my question is what, how do I treat them over the winter so that I don't kill them while I'm waiting to figure out where I can put them into the ground? Okay, well, <clears throat> they make a good house plant if you've got a place to put them, if they're in oh, large pots. Room. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they need fairly bright light. They don't need full sun all day, but they need some sun to keep their color good. Uh, and you just treat them as a house plant, um, I, and they should they're, winter they're for way, you. And they're way too many for me to bring inside. Okay, then what you do is you take cuttings now and put them in smaller pots, uh, get them rooted, and uh, plant the young ones in the spring. Uh, what you do is you uh, get you a pan or a bucket or something with, uh, that's clean with some nice water in it, you get a very sharp knife and you cut off pieces of coleus uh, starting at the tips and working back about uh, two and a half, three inches long. You take the very bottom leaves off. We're you talking about hostas? No, I thought you said coleus. Hostas. Have I misheard oh. you completely? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, the hostas are not a problem. Have you got a garage? 
Uh, not enough room. <laughs> All right. Have you got some place along, say, about the north side of the house that's uh, bare ground or a walk or something? They can, they can take a lot of cold weather, okay? You, you, Do I need to cover them with hay or? You probably should mulch them with something just to keep them from uh, drying out too much and from fluctuating too much. And if they're in clay pots, the pots will break if you don't have them covered. Oh, uh, no, they're not in clay. Okay. You just, you just line them up against a, a building or a fence or someplace where it uh, tends to be uh, same temperature through the day. That is not, not sun all morning and cold all night or something, but, uh, you know. Some straw on them will help. And then you pile, the you pile straw or some other good mulch around them up to the tight of the pots. And then after, not on top. well, you do that later. If you do it right okay. now, you will smother the leaves and they'll rot. Uh, so right, yeah. they're still in full foliage with flowers. Right. Well, when they when they begin to look icky from the cold, trim them off and pile straw on the top also. Now you want uh-huh. to that last time you want to be sure that you water them so that they have enough moisture to get through the winter before you put that okay. last mulch on. So and they should back, winter. A little bit of water, a little bit of straw on top, and build up the straw around them until they get to the yucky part. <laughs> that's what that's what I heard. Yeah, just just build <laughs> it up, right. build it up pot height, and they're, then when they're it, quite durable. When it's time to to cover them up for the winter, give them a good drink and pile mulch on top of them, and they should come through for you. Thank you. All right, hey, thank thanks, thanks, Susan, and you are our last call for the day. We are out of time. I want to thank. Helen May and Don Adamson, as always, and also thank thank you to Angelo Batista, who's been busy on the phones, uh, as well as his his help, Alex Graham, uh, and also Michael Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu and Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.